Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I am with Jeff and Ezra. Jeff? Yes, I'm here with Ezra. Yes, I'm here. Nice. Okay. Just to get us warmed up, I have a question of the day. Mm-hmm. So you get to go to a fantastic hamburger place. Is that the question? Oh, uh, yeah. Not quite yet. So you get a hamburger. Do you want beef or chicken? That's the first part. Oh, beef. That's the question of the day? No. We just beef. wait. It's a start. Beef. <laughs> beef? Beef. What All do you want, way. Jeff? Beef or chicken? Oh, it's too... Okay. So I think Canadian chicken is the best chicken I've ever had. Okay. There it is. So if it's, if this chicken restaurant is in Canada, yes. In the States, I'm getting the beef. Okay. What cannot touch your burger? What cannot go on Well, there? that's different between the two burgers. Okay. So tell me, what cannot go on your chicken burger or your beef well, burger? Well, it cannot, meaning would I prefer not to touch it? No, like is it gross and eat, makes your anchovies. burger terrible? Uh, I'd say pickles. Pickles? What? What's mm. wrong with you? <laughs> Pickles no. are great. No, thank you. No, well, pickles you can take off and doesn't wreck your burger. Yes. Chick-fil-A does it does a uh does this thing and it, all it has is a pickle. It has this white bun, pickle and the Chick-fil-A thing. That's their classic sandwich and it's Nothing unbelievable else? how good it is. No like mayo or ketchup or No, you cheese can put some or... other stuff on it if you want. No, there's oh. nothing else on it. See, I can't have relish. That's I, disgusting. Yeah. Relish yeah. is sweet, yeah. sweet Same pickles thing. are disgusting. Pickles, I can. Yeah, pickles, relish, mustard wrecks it too. Oh yes, mustard. You try to scrape off the mustard, but you actually have to scrape off the like bun on a hamburger. uh, Yeah, I think that the mustard's not the best, but but they put mustard on the little McDonald's cheeseburgers. That's Mm. pretty good. (laughs) No mustard. What about mushrooms? What are you talking about? What mushrooms Mushrooms are terrible? You like mushrooms? Ah, yes. You Give know? me like an entire bowl of broccoli. <laughs> I'm not putting broccoli on anything. No, you're not putting broccoli on anything. How about cheese? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Cauliflower, I'm not putting on anything either. <laughs> Why would you put cauliflower on <laughs> your burger? Some people put, they, that's what they make their burger out of now is yeah, cauliflower. Yeah, that's true. Really? Yeah, there's true. cauliflower burger. It's what about like uh, alfalfa sprouts or hummus or yeah, stuff I like that? that? I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have but you ever why been to? You? Well, have you been to Splits Grill in Whistler? I have. They put that sort of They stuff have on amazing it. options. Like you can have salsa and hummus and tzatziki and all kinds of stuff. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's Next like a time subway. I'm in Whistler. I know. You take your burger and you tell them what to put on your burger. Okay, you can so have all kinds of stuff. Here's my question of the day. Then the best hamburger. Give me a recommendation of the best hamburger. Like if I'm going to travel or yep. whatever. Best place to eat a Split's burger. Splits Grill in Go. Whistler. Oh, whatever. It's not true. <laughs> Dude. You and I traveled to Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. and Kyle Mika took us to some spot where we had the burger of my life. Do you yeah. remember where that yeah, place? it's called Kincaid's. Oh, it's in Dallas, yes, Texas, just please. near the airport, actually. Uh, Kincaid's, like everything else in Dallas, it, it's huge. And but yes, good. Yeah. So I, here's my recommendation. A lot of people don't, don't know this here, and I'm always shocked, that the best 
chain burger restaurant in the United States. The, it's always it's it wins the awards nearly every year these years. Not Five Guys or not Five Guys. Not In and Out, even though In and Out makes a great hamburger. The the one that wins it is the Habit. Oh, never been to the okay, Habit. Okay, so they have the Habit now in the Seattle area. So okay. if you go, if you just go online mm-hmm. and you look for the Habit Burger Grill, you're welcome. <laughs> nice. What <laughs> about habit. Lo- okay. what about locally? Where would you go for a good burger? Locally, yeah, a, hamber- a good hamburger. Yeah, uh, like you go to guys? Fat Burger or fat, Five fat Guys. Uh, fatty, I don't know. You know, those Vera's burgers are pretty good in in, uh, in uh, Vancouver. I, I like those. Uh, locally, I actually I, Lou's makes a really good hamburger. Yeah. Has for a number of years. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people oftentimes because people go to Red Robin a lot, or it's normal to them. Yeah. They would never. They would kind of look down on a Red Robin. I actually think Red Robin makes some of the best, yes. better hamburgers going. Absolutely, mm. and like for original, their price, yes. We like original Joe's. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Joe's, good. yeah. It's hard to mess up a hamburger. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's yeah. It, they're 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 remarkably good. Yeah, yeah. But you just the toppings. Habit Burger Grill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Habit. Okay. The Habit. Yes. If you have ideas for questions of the day, you can send them to me. I'm making a list right now for these guys to surprise them every week. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. All right. Okay, let's move into the topic of the day. Mm -hmm. We've been doing the Holy Spirit as a series. We've done three weeks, I think, and we have a few more. So I've been compiling some questions. We've been studying the Holy Spirit. We've been studying the Holy Spirit, better term, yes. Thank you. (laughs) So we've been studying the Holy Spirit, and I have some questions for you. Mm. So what's the difference between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit. Well, it seems... By the way, we're going to be going through some of this in the next few weeks. So uh, the passages that we're going to be dealing with this weekend is 1 Corinthians 13, which uh, Ezra this last weekend went through, I thought, a long discussion uh, presenting two options regarding the gift of tongues. What's interesting about that is that in the end, he ended up saying, I'm basically a continuist. He's a continuationist. so I'm going to, in 1 Corinthians 13, which is, of course, following for chapter 12, I'm going to be arguing for, for continuationism that I think it's explicitly stated that we should expect these gifts to continue in the New Covenant age mm-hmm. at, from 1 Corinthians 13. I think that Paul actually leads us to believe that's, that's precisely what's going to take place. So um, we're also going to be dealing with... Um, with uh, Ephesians five, which talks about the filling of filling of the spirit, yeah. right? So be you don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And then he describes what that looks like. Yeah. See, there I think is where the confusion is yeah. because a lot of people will say, "Well, if I have the Holy Spirit at salvation, right. is, if He has filled me, then why do I need a filling of the Spirit? What's the difference?" Yeah. So this patent. My point was that this we're going to be getting into. Are you saying you don't want to get into it today? Well, no, I'm happy. And it's just not this week, but next week we're going to be okay. doing it. And then we're going to talk about finally the the fruit of the Spirit, which is the right. last last week. So as the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to actually continue the gifts of the Spirit this week a little bit, and then. And then we're doing the filling of the spirit, and then finally uh, the, the fruit, the of, fruit the of the spirit. But, but my answer to the question, the short answer to the question, is yep. that um, is that every Christian is indwelt by the spirit, but one can experience the filling of the spirit in ebbs and flows. Uh, so we are led to believe that one can be filled with the spirit uh, to certain degrees. So the command in Ephesians five is 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 be filled. With this, don't be drunk with don't be drunk with wine, but more positively, be be filled with the Spirit. It's yeah. it's a thing that you can you can have more of. In mm-hmm. fact, 
And you find that in the book of Acts. It was kind of one of my arguments a couple of weeks ago where I was saying, look, the, the, the empowerment of the Spirit comes upon them for the mission of God in a unique kind of special way, and it shows up in their boldness as they start to proclaim, right? So they were filled with the Spirit, and they preached boldly. Now, that doesn't mean that because they were Christians, they, weren't, they didn't have the Spirit prior to that. They, of course they were. They were indwelt by the Spirit, but then the Spirit comes upon them in a, in a, in a stronger, kind of more tangible manner when, mm-hmm. they're filled, when they're filled with the Spirit. So this is why yeah. people use language like, is, a, or is it a Spirit-filled church? What they mean is, yes, 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 we understand everybody's indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but is the Holy Spirit showing up yeah. in your church? Now, the debate there is, well, what, what does it look like? For the Holy Spirit to show up in your church, and some people are going to point out, like Ezra's last weekend, the, the sermon was a lot of people are going to point out was the sign gifts that they're going to point to, mm-hmm. and other ter- other people are going to say, and as, as me as well, yes, the sign gifts and probably more mundane things that you assume are normal. But that's what Ephesians five is mm-hmm. basically saying: is that mm-hmm. you know, giving thanks in your hearts to God, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Those are those are actually evidences of the Holy Spirit's feeling in your life. Right. I think they're, they're, depending on what, ch- what church tradition you come from, there are those who will argue that when you become a Christian, you will receive the Spirit of God, obviously, when you become a Christian, but there's a secondary experience that you have to go through. And this secondary experience is now when the Spirit of God comes upon you in a heavy way and gives you power to do uh, like remarkable things for the kingdom of God. And so they will argue to say that there is a second baptism or a second filling, second experience. Do you, Esther, do they call that a filling? I, I, Mike, I, I'm, that language is sometimes loose in certain settings. I've heard yeah. what you're describing is what people call spirit baptism. Yeah, it depends on who you're talking to. Meaning that, yes. that, that I'm not saying it's it's that. I think everybody's right. baptized into the Spirit at their at conversion. I, I right. argue that based on First Corinthians chapter chapter twelve. Right, right, right. Yeah, so right. we're all baptized into one Spirit, as yes. it says. So, hmm. and and the reference seems to be a baptism that took place when you were, you were converted. Right? Yes. Um. So I think that that happens at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some Pentecostal traditions have made it so that they separate that, so that yes. there is the baptism that you have with water, and then, then you have later on with the Spirit, or you come to faith in Jesus, and then later on you get baptized with the Spirit. Though there will be those who will argue, so for example, Jesus' passage in John 20, verse 22, where Jesus breathed on them, yeah. and they, re- they were filled with the Spirit, and they went to do these things. So some will argue that when you become a Christian, that's what happens to you, and then Acts you're, one, you're waiting Acts for Acts 2 experience, yeah. where now you get this, the Spirit of God comes upon you, now you're speaking in tongues yeah. and you're doing all these other mm-hmm. things. I would understand that that um, <clears throat> that breathing that Jesus does in John to be what we call proleptic, meaning that he, it's looking forward to Acts. So he's, right. he's, he's doing a, he's doing a, a symbolic gesture, yeah. you know, breath, mm-hmm. breathing on them, and then that is fulfilled at the in the acts. Yes, like, yeah, the I think he restates basically look, look, the spirit's going to come you will receive power and the spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. witnesses. And then yes. it actually comes as a as a breath, a wind right. of God comes through and so God breathes on them the Holy Spirit and then they're filled with the ability to to prophesy right. and speak in other tongues so that the mission of God will go forward. So I, my point is that 
that's the way I would understand that passage. Yes. But there are some people who view that as a secondary thing. But when they do, Ezra, I think that they were usually the language that's used is baptism yeah. in the Spirit. Most people, I think, agree with that the filling of the Spirit is something that will come and go. Mm-hmm. So whether you've been baptized in the Spirit, so whether you need to be baptized in the Spirit is sometimes subsequent to salvation, that's a debate that people have. But I think most people would say, even then, after that, mm-hmm. there is the ebbing and flowing of the filling of the Spirit. Okay, so question, pop mm-hmm. in here. If somebody would pray then to be filled with the Spirit, and they're not thinking necessarily tongues, what would a regular, everyday filling of the Spirit look like? Oh, see, Ephesians 5. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ephesians 5 is the answer to that question. I think even as Jeff pulls it up so that he can actually read the passage, I think the the assumption is when the Spirit of God fills you, like you will do these remarkable things that are maybe miraculous or supernatural, and yet the Scripture has a different way of looking at it, Jeff. So here's the language. That's, this is part of my big point, so I'm giving away my sermon two weeks from now, which that's is okay. great. We, we I love this text. We need to hear it text. more than once. It's I love okay. this text. So... Um, this is Paul writing to the Ephesian church, don't, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, right? So in, inebri- the idea here is inebriation yeah. that leads to you living in a way, living in a particular, you know, wicked mm-hmm. manner. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, again, a kind of inebriation, right? Not, not, not a holy in this, inebriation. Yeah, but a holy inebriation. But yeah. the comparison is he's making there is between being drunk on wine and the opposite of being being filled with the Spirit. Okay. And what makes it op- opposite is that the outcome is instead of a wicked debauchery, it's it's a holiness of life. But here's <laughs> here's what he describes as being filled by the Spirit. Okay, so instead of being filled with the Spirit, in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, one, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So that's one evidence, yeah. right? So the way we talk to one another and the kind of language we use with one another mm-hmm. is a sign that you're spirit-filled. Singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, that's another one. Like you have a song song in your heart, kind of joy that is overflowing and it's expressing itself in, yep. in, in, in music, right? In art. Mm-hmm. Uh, always giving thanks third to God and Father for everything. So in other words, if you find somebody who's not a thanksgiver, who's a whiner about things, you can pretty much be sure that they're not filled with the Spirit. That the sign that the Spirit is being is filling them is that they there's a there's an overflow of thanksgiving in their heart to God, and finally, uh, submitting to one another, out of reverence for Christ. So the way that and then he's going to go on and explain what what, what he like? means yeah. by un, what the one another's mean. But the idea of me submitting in my in my relationships where I'm called to submit. So for me. Uh, as a, as a worker to a boss, um, in, in, a, in a family setting, uh, as, a, as a child to parents, or as a wife to husband. That's what he's going to end up pointing out here. Mm-hmm. And of course, the husband has a responsibility, and the boss has a responsibility, and the parent has a responsibility, and it's all to love and to be you know, self-giving. Yeah. And that's a sign of the Spirit's filling. But those things that I just mentioned are so normal. Yeah, they are. Right? Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, joy in your heart playing itself out in singing and making melody in your heart, uh, speaking to one another and submitting to one another. I mean, honestly, has anyone mm-hmm. ever come and told you, you know, I don't think you're spirit-filled because you have a rotten attitude towards your boss <laughs> or you're not willing to submit in, in your, to your parents, you f- 16-year-old person. And one of the signs, actually, that the Spirit is filling you 
is, is your willingness to submit to their authority in your life and to honor them. So, I, you know, does the Spirit do other things? Yeah, in Acts, you get these grand boldness. Does the filling of the Spirit sometimes grant you great power? I think that the, the filling of the Spirit helped uh, Paul to heal people at times and do all sorts of things. The Spirit came upon them in special power to, to enable them to do some really remarkable stuff. Don't reduce this. I'm arguing it last week, mm-hmm. right? Don't reduce the spirit's work and the filling down to that small category of wow stuff. Yeah. Recognize that the spirit's filling is broad. That does, like it, he he basically en- enables you to to live in a holy life. So mm-hmm. I find myself, daily, I find myself praying all the time about all sorts of stuff. Lord, I need you to fill me here because yeah. I don't want to do that or I am frightened with what I'm going to say or mm-hmm. I'm, and, and I, need your, I need your help. Yeah, me too. So, the, so I'm, when I'm praying that, I'm assuming that God can is, give some like more power in certain circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move to another question. Let's start with Ezra this time. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit or to keep in step with the Spirit? Galatians five twenty five says. Yeah, I, I think I think basically the way you live your life, you're constantly yielding to the promptings of the Spirit of God in your life. And how does He do that? The Spirit of God will use His Word to guide you and lead you in how mm-hmm. you ought to live. So, for instance, like. Uh, you're at work and things are not going very well between you and your boss or you and your colleague. So how do you handle yourself in that circumstance? Or it could be uh, a financial expense that was unexpected, a, dis- uh, a diagnosis that you did not see coming. When, when these issues of life come, be it good or not so good, how do you handle these things? And so it's just being consciously aware of the presence of the Spirit of God in your life and allowing him through his word and also through uh, the community around, other Christians around you, how is the Spirit of God prompting you uh, in the decisions you're making, day-to-day decisions mm-hmm. in to live, life? To live out holiness, and I yeah. think that's—I really want to stress that. So the passage mm-hmm. that you're dealing with is one that we're going to deal with in a few, t- few weeks' time, and it is in Galatians 5. Uh, 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, I'm reading the NIV here, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. So in other words, you're, you're dead. This is Paul's language, right? You're, you're dead to what you once were. You mm-hmm. crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and its passions and desires are the opposite mm-hmm. of the things that were just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Since we live by the Spirit now, so we're, we don't live according to the old way, we live according to the new way, and the new way bears certain kinds of fruit. So in other yeah. words, your kingdom is used language in Romans. You've changed kingdoms. Yeah. So you've moved into a new land. So since we live by the Spirit, okay, since I've moved to Canada, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's his way of saying live like a Canadian, right? Right. So we, we, we live by the Spirit, so let's, let's keep in step with with mm-hmm. the spirit, let's let's recognize that the way that your new land is governed, the way that, that your new land, the rules of the new country, you need to adhere to those. You need to embrace those. Yeah. 
not the former manner of the flesh, mm-hmm. but the new manner of this spirit. And that's why he ends by saying, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one and each other. So apparently some, <clears throat> something was happening in the Galatian church where that's, that's what was happening, is they, they, were having, um, they were having infighting and the provocation and envy and that sort of stuff. And that's, he'd say basically, that's part of the old life. That was man. Yeah. That's that's American. St- that's American yeah. stuff. You, you don't live there anymore. No. You live here in Canada. Yep. And so, in in the spirit, you love how I've done this. Right. The American in me is just cringing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, right. you, you yeah. understand? So, in totally. other words, it, to keep in step with the spirit is to live according to the laws, the rules of the new land you inhabit, which is spirit laws. Yeah. Right. So, Paul says basically the same thing. In Romans 12, mm-hmm. therefore I urge you, brothers, um, by the mercies of God, God to, to offer your, your bodies, bodies as living sacrifices. Yeah. your spiritual so, act of so worship. So here's yeah. uh, an application question mm-hmm. that, uh, Thalia, you could even jump in. I think the struggle with a lot of people is, particularly when you're talking about walking in step with the Spirit, how do I know that the Spirit of God is actually moving me? Because some would be waiting for this feeling. Like, yeah. I'm not feeling. What I'm feeling right now, Jeff, you said something nasty to me. I am so angry with yeah. you. And Thalia saying, Ezra, forgive, forgive. But I just struggle to forgive you. But now you're saying walk in step with the Spirit. Is, is <laughs> what you're experiencing, mm-hmm. is what you're experiencing leading you to live a life or do a thing that is more in line with your new land of the spirit, spirit land, or the old land of the flesh, flesh land. And mm-hmm. what I would back it up even further is say that when people come to meet with me and ask me what's biblical in a certain situation, they have no idea. Mm. So to walk in the spirit, they don't even know what that means because they don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying because they're not reading the Bible or in a group yeah. where they're studying the Bible. So right. they are going by what they feel or what the Christians around them, which might also be misled, they may also be misled. So they're walking in what they think they should do or what others, they don't know yeah. the Bible. So the first week that I, we did this, one of my big points was when I, when I made the point that the Holy Spirit's the author. Hmm. And I really want to emphasize this, what the, what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of Christians, and people call this all sorts of different things, but what he does in the lives of Christians is that this is his sanctifying work. He takes the revelation of God that is full and complete in the scriptures. It's the full revelation of who Jesus is and his teaching. He takes that and he applies it to the life of the person who is who is his own, who he's indwelling. Yes. So he takes that stuff and he applies it and he and he provokes and he prompts according to the word. Yes. Now now I'm not saying that there's a scripture verse that always comes to your mind. But the ammunition of the Spirit's gun in your life, okay? He's shooting at you. The ammunition is the Bible yeah, or concepts that are biblical. Yeah, which is why I'm always encouraging people to either right. listen to the Bible, audio version, or start reading it, sure. even though it seems dry and boring and doesn't make sense, sure. or get into a group where you can study it together, because you can't walk well by the Spirit if you don't know what the Spirit is That's telling right. you through right. His Word. So, mm-hmm. so what a lot of people, what's interesting is that people will like, I mean, I used an illustration a mm-hmm. few weeks ago that you know, you're sitting next to somebody on a, an airplane or, or better yet, you get in a fight with your spouse, which of course happens to some people, but not, not me. <laughs> not but us. Like, <laughs> on this you, table, right, you never. You get in a discussion with your spouse and you walk away and you feel this, you feel this, this genuine, like, is there somebody else there with you? Yeah. Talking to you about, the, but it's not audible. It's just this, these impressions 
and scriptures come into your mind and you were harsh there. Yeah. And you were, were you peaceable? Yeah. Were you were like, not kind. Like, like the, the, um, yeah. yeah. Not lo- filled with lo- compassion. The definition of love out of 1 Corinthians 13 is that coming, it's coming to mind. Yeah. So I'm saying that that's the Spirit's doing that. Yeah. That's not you right. doing that. No. Right. That's the Spirit doing that. He convicts the world of sin, especially yes. you. I know. And there you are, and the Spirit is taking His Word, and He's applying to your life, and you're hearing from the Spirit of God, Mm -hmm. through the Word of God that Mm -hmm. the Spirit Himself uttered, through the prophet David or through whoever, and you're hearing those things in the present moment because the Spirit is alive and active, and He's he's applying this stuff as part of your redemption and sanctification. Now now, now he's, He's willing and acting according to God's good pleasure, and you need to now work out your salvation. One of the things in to, response to it, you see, yeah. To to give a a little illustration, I was driving. I drive my kids to school every day, almost every day. And so my one of my kids was asking, "So, Dad, how do I hear God?" Mm-hmm. Then I told her, "Honey, I hear God all the time. God talks to me all the time. He talks to me." So driving to school and all that. So that evening, she was in her room, just so distraught. Uh, just wondering if she's a good Christian because God doesn't speak to her because she's expecting God to like speak to her as you're hearing my voice. Yeah, the like voice. that's how, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I took the scriptures and I asked her, "What are some of the things you're going through in your life?" She told me uh, this, and my friends, and whatever. So I opened the scriptures and I began to walk her through the scriptures just to teach her how she can address the issues and mm-hmm. what her impressions need to be regarding her friends mm-hmm. and what she's going on. And then at the end. I told her, honey, do you know what just happened there? Yeah, God spoke to you through the word. Mm -hmm. And she still struggled, like, embracing that. But the the idea that the Spirit of God actually speaks directly to you through his word as you read it, understand it, and begin to apply it in your life is a concept that quite a number of people struggle with. Well, people want to to turn this into extra—listen, I believe in prophecy— yeah. So I do believe there is such a thing as extra biblical. I don't. Th- I don't think that that revelation from God is as authoritative as Scripture at all. I. I think that in order, f- it, what, what prophecy is going to be calling you to do is to live a life in the manner that the Scriptures call you to live a holy life anyway. But it's it's happening in this particular circumstance. But a lot of people want to rely upon extra-biblical, non-Scripture-based interpret. I want God to talk to me about whether or not I should do this or that. Yeah. Right. And they end up saying, well, he should also talk to me about non-moral stuff. Yeah. Right? He should, he should be leading me about which they expect God to be doing something about, you know, what breakfast cereal to eat or whether or not, like in a sermon, like, like whether to buy a Christmas tree on a particular weekend. And I... Those expectations of God are just not realistic, and they're not, they're not actually the way that the Scriptures teach that God is going to be speaking, and I'm using that in scare mm-hmm. quotes. Like, the, the, the way that the Scriptures teach that God speaks, is all, all Scripture is God-breathed. Right, yeah. it is. Right? So God has spoke this through the mediation of prophets and apostles, and through now, now through the—you have, you have the, the teaching of Jesus in a book, mm-hmm. and that the Spirit now takes this book— dusty, old, 2,000-year-old book, the full revelation of God, and he now he applies that to you yeah. in all sorts of different circumstances. And so, yes, you will hear from the Spirit in certain moments, that prompting of, to do the right thing mm-hmm. and to honor people the right way. And to and you don't listen sometimes. No. And I think that grieves the Spirit. Well, that's the next question. So what does it look like to grieve the Spirit? Let's talk practically. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think the idea of... Uh, 
choosing, uh, intentionally choosing to live your life contrary to what you know the scriptures teach. Yeah. That would obviously cause to cause the spirit to be grieved. And what's interesting, even with that question, um, it, that question also affirms that the spirit of God is actually a person who can get grieved. So yeah. it's a per, he's a person with emotions that can get grieved. And so I often think of it like kids to their parents. When you think of teenagers and young adults, they often grieve their parents. Oh, yeah. Because they don't listen. They do their own thing. They're stubborn. They're hard-hearted. They disregard. They ignore and that's the same as it's like to grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think that's a very good illustration because I think about how many parents, uh, even listening to this uh, podcast, whose hearts are breaking because their children continually make choices yeah. that are poor choices and the, the, they are estranged from relationship. Yeah. The kid has chosen to live a lifestyle um, that is not... Parents are so grieved. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the Spirit of God yeah. where... He wants the best for you, and yet you or I would choose to begin chasing after other things, yeah. assuming that they'll bring us joy, joy that only God can, can bring. So what's the difference between grieving then and quenching the Spirit? I, I guess the, 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 the word quench would be almost like to, to dampen, for mm-hmm. instance. So the idea then here is the Spirit of God is like a fire in you. And so the more you obey, the fire continues to rage within. And so when when you now begin to quench the Spirit is now when you're choosing intentionally to walk away or outside of the will of God as revealed from Scripture. And then in the process of doing that, this fire in you begins to flicker. The language that you're using is from two different passages in the New Testament. One of of them is the, the grieve passage. Mm-hmm. The grieve the Holy Spirit is from Ephesians four, yeah, verse thirty. But I just here's the thing: I, w- I want you to just hear the context of the, that language because sometimes we start wanting to parse all this stuff out and say, "Well, was the filling and the grieving and the, the just?" I want you to hear the language that Paul uses. Uh, he says in verse twenty. So I got ten verses I'm going to do here. Uh, let's do twenty. Uh, yeah. So where are you again? I'm in Ephesians four twenty. So that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So he's dealing, remember, he's dealing with old, the old manner of life and the new manner. Very similar, right? You used to live in the States, now you're in Canada. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Right? Don't be an American anymore. Which is to be being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Mm-hmm. And to put on your new self, right? Your Canadian self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. So what was the old manner of life? We'll put off falsehood and then speak truthfully to your neighbor. So Canadians speak truthfully. <laughs> you, know, you see the Im- image here? For we are all members of one body. And in your anger, don't sin. Don't, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. Because right? you used to do. But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. You see, there's new, you, new rules. So verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's how we do it in our new land. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. My point is, in the context, it seems to be that the grieving of the Holy Spirit is to be going back and living according to the former manner of life. Mm -hmm. So if you want to... 
it's, it's basically refusing to keep in step with the spirit. Right. Is to grieve him, which is what you just said mm-hmm. daily, basically. I mean, like you're, you know, kids do this all the time. Yeah. Right. That you're like, I, I want you to live like a, like a Sawatsky, right? <laughs> yep. Be a Sawatsky. Don't be a, a don't be one of those Akotis. <laughs> be a Sawatsky. And so right. you go out and you live like an Akoti. I'm going to like, stop yeah. it. Yeah. It makes you sad. Right. That they're living like somebody that they're not, that they aren't. Yeah. And that spirit, you know, be who you are. But yeah. when you don't, you don't. So the, the other text, though, right, to quench the spirit actually comes from a passage in, in the Thessalonian epistles that talks about, uh, about welcoming prophecy. So there seems to be an attitude in there that to quench the spirit is to, to, hide, to, to hive somebody themselves off. This is something, by the way, that people who are, this all this mumbo jumbo freaks me out. That kind of attitude is in a little bit of danger of breaking that command. That's a commandment of the Bible. Don't quench the Spirit. And I think that you quench the Spirit when you're not open to the Spirit's active work in your life, to be prompting and moving in your life, and that shows up oftentimes in, in, in prophecy. Now, in that same context, it talks about you know testing everything and approving what is mm-hmm. good. So it's not that you're just like, I'm open to everything. No, you're responsible about it, but I do think it's a command. This is something that I've had to come to in my life, is that I think I've broken that command before by saying, God, listen, if you got something to say to me, you better say it through the Apostle James, you know? (laughs) Yeah. When I actually think that, no, there should be an openness to to prophecy to some degree and a willingness to hear what the Lord might have to say. And believe me, when the Lord speaks in that regard, and prompts in that regard, it's going to be according to Scripture. It when is I, going to be according to Scripture. When I was a young adult, I went to the Missions Fest, Vancouver. It's usually held in January. And uh, Jackie Pullinger was speaking at that point. And I was in this group, maybe midway through the crowd. And uh, she was speaking about all works of the Holy Spirit, all different kinds of things that I had not grown up with. And she came directly to me and said, don't be afraid. And I knew she meant don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit, because at that point, everything she was talking about was so outside of what I had been taught, trained, thought of, that I realized, oh, so going forward, it's kind of like this posture of having your hands open and saying, Holy Spirit, you are free to do what you want in my life and help me not to be afraid, but also help me to test yeah. And know what is good. So there's this yeah. there's a tension in that, yeah. right? Yeah. And that we, we tend to fall sometimes on one side or the other yeah. of the tension. And, we, and I usually fall on the scared side. So my yeah. regular, every few yeah. weeks, it's this, okay, Lord, if you want me to have a word, a picture, a vision, or whatever, word of knowledge, you, you can do that. And if I'll be open to that and not, I'll try not to be afraid with your help. Mm. But it's not how I grew up. So there's that. Don't yeah. fall on that side so easily. So those of you are listening, some of you will have grown up like like Thalia did and a little bit frightened or maybe came mm-hmm. to faith in Christ into churches that that just weren't really that open to anything. People no. in Northview actually probably would be a little bit less o- open to it. Yeah. More cautious. As we yeah. this weekend used that language. I was open but cautious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people are more cautious than open in yeah. that cat camp. And then other people who maybe grew up with it are far more open than cautious. But yes. that, that language of open but cautious actually comes from that passage about yeah. don't quench the spirit, but test and approve. Yeah. That you're trying, you're trying to hold both those things. Listen, I, I understand that the Holy Spirit is not the only spiritual force at work in the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and that there are counterfeit things happening. 
Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And there are people who will lie about doctrine and try to mm-hmm. lead people away into other manner of belief about who Jesus is, and ultimately lead people to other manner of uh, belief and action about mm-hmm. what's holy. Mm-hmm. When that shows up, I can tell you the Holy Spirit's not the one doing it. But so you can get freaked out by it because you're like, I'm it's chaos, <laughs> you know, and I'm none of it's like that. But then the pushback would be, what? But don't quench. Yeah, mm. a caution, a cautious openness is kind of how I sort of prefer to think of it for myself. Right, yeah. and so yeah. there's a debate here too, by the way. And there are those who, those I don't want to. Be, I want to be fair to people. Somebody who is more of a cessationist is going to argue this point. Yes, but what is meant by prophecy in that mm-hmm. text is actually what you find in the scriptures. Yeah. So right. there is a debate there that basically they would say that don't quench quenching the spirit is basically closing your ears off to what the Bible has to say. So how often at Northview would we have people who come with like a word of knowledge for the church or a prophetic statement or something? How often would that happen? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's massively frequently, but it does happen, right? I mean, a few times a year, yeah, perhaps. That's what I was thinking. Usually, listen, if you just if you're listening and you, and you feel that the Lord has something to say to the the church, what we ask people to do is to uh, to write it down mm-hmm. the best you know how. Okay. I'm not, when you write this down, by the way, we're not going to canonize it. We're not putting it no, into, you know, right after the book of Revelation, no. right? Saying this is now the, f- the first first book of Bob. Yeah. Mm. We, so, but we recognize, we treat prophecy in a, in a way to say, listen, you've got something that needs to, you believe the Spirit of the Lord has said that we, we should hear. And then we, we, you bring it to the church and the elders evaluate it. Yeah. And the elders or the pastors or somebody basically evaluates it and then says, oh, this is a good word for the church. This yeah. is something that we we also agree that that this is something that yeah. needs to be said need and to emphasized to the yeah. church. And this is a danger, perhaps, that we've had, or it's an encouragement mm-hmm. to us. Um, and then we'll take it to the elder board. And then there are a couple. There, there there are situations in the past where somebody has said something like that, and then it you know we we once or twice have said something from the front that this yeah. person had said this. To us, and we just want to say this is a good word. Yeah, um, but very infrequently, right? Because yeah. usually, what happens is the person is 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 bringing something forward that's that's backed up by scripture, mm-hmm. and then we tend to use that sometimes to guide some of our sermon series. So yeah. the next year, some of the series are are a result of hearing mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, but I'd also say. Um, this gift is also exercised informally around community groups and things like that. So multiple times, I'm sure, if you've been a Christian a long time and you have a lot of Christian friends, you may have received an email, a call, a text message from someone who said, you know what, I was praying and then you just came to mind and this passage came to mind. And so I just felt like I'll I'll share it with you. And it just strikes you like, This is always a good thing, by the way. If if, if you... you if a, if a scripture text came to mind, write it down on a note and send it to your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I don't know about what to make of this, but I just, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. Mm-hmm. And this is a text that I just want you to. Right. Yeah. And, and things like that. So many people who I know have done that to me. Dude, I got a letter today like that. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I got a letter from a dear, dear lady today yeah. who, who wrote at the top of it a, a scripture text that touched my heart brought tears to my eyes because yeah. I was like, that's exactly yeah. what it is that I need to hear today. Yeah. And yeah. so in the, in the end, this is what this, this is what the Lord does. Right. 
in our so, lives. Should we? We mm-hmm. should probably give a few words of advice, though. Sure, go ahead. Regarding how one should approach that. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's my first word of advice. Uh, don't use language like "God told me." Okay. Now, I, I'm 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 saying that because you need to recognize that. You can use that language that God said about anything that the Scripture says, okay? God says this, and I think it applies to your life. That's a good thing to say. Mm-hmm. But when you say God told me, you've basically pulled out your little spiritual one-upsmanship card and say, like, how am I, how am I possibly going to disagree with you now? Yeah. <laughs> so in the end, <laughs> it, it's, there's actually a danger here yeah. of breaking one of the commandments, right. of, you know, using the Lord's name in vain, hmm. meaning attaching something to the Lord's name that you, that he might be saying, but he also might not. So my, my advice is when you're going to speak to somebody about that, just say, I think this might be the Lord saying to, to you, or I have felt like this is something that the Lord has led me, but I, you evaluate it. Some of the best people who've ever said this to me have basically done that man. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who said it might be a bad burrito, <laughs> but I'm yeah. telling you last night I was praying for you and I just, got this image in my mind yeah and I just wanted to share it with you and if, if, it, if it is inappropriate you know if it's not something that's applicable I don't know that's fine yeah you get really fine. yeah but almost always it has been appropriate at the time and it made me think about it I've had people share those words with me but just be careful with the with your language I think that language is also very helpful when you have something that you want to do like instead of saying God told me I should go to this college or marry this person or do it should be like I think Maybe mm-hmm. that God is calling me or asking me to, right? Because otherwise, it is very hard to yeah. have a discussion. So, what you do then is you bring it to to. You know, there's a, much wisdom in many counselors. Mm-hmm. So oh, then yeah. you come and you 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 mm-hmm. present it before others, and and after a while, people say, "Oh, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit." Yeah, right. Yeah, like we we've evaluated that idea. We think it's a great idea. It's good. And, it, and you know what? Some of the things that you thought before might have gotten chopped off because you submitted it to the the church. Who, by the way, the Spirit is working through. Yes. Your friends, your Christian friends, mm-hmm. and giving them wisdom to try to help you. Right. Spirit's involved in that as much right. as he was involved in giving you the idea to begin with. Right. So in the in the end, the community of faith can be a great can be a great help. I my second piece of advice though mm-hmm. is uh on the flip side, don't be a deist. And a deist is somebody who says they believe that there is a God, but God's fishing somewhere and not really involved. Hmm. So it's a default atheist. Okay. And there, what does of, that look like? Well, it looks like the fa- looks like Christians is walking around their lives and thinking that the spirit's not involved ever, right? In, so they don't bother anything. to pray. So I am like, I don't know. I don't really want to pray. I don't really want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Like because this God, you know, the universe is the way the universe is, and God just set it up and is running like a clock. And I mean, they don't wouldn't say that out loud, but they functionally act okay. that way. Yeah. So because they're freaked out by everything, okay, and they think this is all going to be a big horrible mess if I would open myself up to this, Yeah, that they actually do get prompted an idea. And so they're so freaked out to say, I don't want to be like one of those people who says, uh, the Spirit told me, or God told me, so I'm not using any of that language. And right. so in the end, you make it sound like the way that the world basically functions is you come up with these awesome ideas just out of your own self, right? and God's off on some island somewhere, and aren't you brilliant? Okay. And I'm yeah. tell, I'm telling you right. that there needs to be a recognition that you and I aren't that smart, and that when good ideas come to us, we need to present them to people and say, "Listen, I I think this is a great idea, and I, I want to try it and present it before you." 
And I think the Lord's in it. Mm-hmm. Right? Could be a God thing. I, th- I think the mm-hmm. Lord's in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is, this is tipping your hat to the Lord's operation in your life. I think in James, the book of James, there's this little story I cite all often that talks about this. You were going to go make money in this land or that land and to spend two years there and come back. Right. Oh, James yeah. says, look, you don't even know if you're going to live. Your life's a mist. Appears for a little while and vanishes. You should say, if we live, we'll we'll go there and do this and that. And but but as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And I think that there can be a kind of unintentional boasting in the minds of people if you don't give recognition that actually the Spirit of God is very active in my life, and He turns things providentially and through prompting and through prophecy. He turns us all different kinds of ways. Totally. And that's not—that's God doing that work, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's not just happenstance. Mm-hmm. It's God who's done it. Yeah. And so you, you can see the hand of God moving all, all around us. So I don't—there's a river in there, right? There's two yeah. banks. Don't claim everything is— and then don't claim nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. I'm going to move us to the phrase of the day, Ezra. The phrase of the day goes with our topic. It's slain in the spirit. Ezra, Ezra help us understand Ezra, slain up. in the Ezra, spirit. <laughs> Why are you on the floor, boy? There are, Come there on, get are, up. <laughs> there, are certain, there are certain charismatic movements that strongly believe in the slaining of the spirit, of, of people in the spirit. So It's like you what, got knifed and you're down. Yeah, so what would happen then is it would be in a worship service setting in many cases, not always, uh, where there's a lot of music and there's prayer happening and the minis- ministry is happening usually around the altar, uh, altar being near the pulpit or where the pastor is or whatever. And then there is people coming to pray for you, laying their hands on you. And then as they lay hands on you, you are so overwhelmed by the power of God to the extent where you can no longer stand up. It's almost like a passing out, so to speak, where you're so just engulfed by the power of God. And so this would be like a regular practice in some of uh, some of these gatherings. Then the question then becomes: Is this a biblical practice? Is this is there evidence in Scripture that this is something that actually happens? And I'll be the first to say: I mean, God can definitely overwhelm anyone by the power of His Spirit. No question there. God can. But the question is: Is this normative? Is this something that we we should be seeking after on a day to day basis, experientially? In well, our no. Christian walk with God, and the answer is no. No, but 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 but, but this is my thing, right? In in your, but what the, would be the, the purpose well, of being a, slain in the spirit? Well, look, there's a danger. This, look, like what would that if help? The spirit a person? of God is actively involved in your life. For you and I to believe that your affections, right, your yeah. feelers, aren't somehow touched at times, is just dumb. Because we right. are we are people. Who are whole people? Sure. We have bodies, and we have we have physical and and non physical parts to us. So, so God is involved in all of that. And so Jonathan Edwards, this happened actually. But Jonathan Edwards was reading his sermon. By the way, as way Ezra described it, with the soft music playing, it was like the opposite. Edwards, right. first great awakening, <laughs> Northampton, right. Massachusetts. Reading like this to the Lord, like he he read <laughs> right. this book, this right. this sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and people were falling over hmm. in the service and lying prostrate on the ground hmm. in in repentance and sorrow for sin, and they couldn't move. 
So people came along to Edwards and said, I mean, this, by the way, you read, go read Edwards, right? This man is about as dry and reformed as you're going to get. So he, this happened, and Edwards was being told by some, you need to stop this nonsense, right? These people are ridiculous. It's so dumb. And others were coming along and saying, brother, you need to fan that baby into a flame. Play the soft music, right? Get, the, get it going, right? Because there's a few people still standing in that room. Clearly the Spirit of God is evident. Just fan it into a flame. And Edwards rejected both sides. And he said, look, I can't—why would you believe that, it, that to follow Jesus means your affections aren't going to be touched? That, that you are going to have genuine experiences with God— but he also rejected the fan into flame, saying, listen, I'm not going to try to manipulate this. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to manipulate this. I'm going to keep preaching the Word and doing faithful ministry, and if people, this happens to them, so be it. He wrote a book called Religious Affections, actually, about it. And it's about which, how do you know an affection from God is a mm-hmm. genuine affection from God. It's a classic. And if you want to read a, an updated version, so you don't have to read the old English, so this book by Sam Storms called Signs, in the, Signs of the Spirit. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. an outstanding book. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the best book ever written on this subject, and I think that I think that Edwards was spot on regarding his take on this. We should be affected by God. There, there will be moments in your life where you are drawn to just overwhelming tears because of what God is doing in your life, and that your knees might buckle in this moment. You might just feel like you have to go down. To, you'll die if you're not down on your knees and your hands are raised. I wish more Mennonites would hear that, right? And me, <laughs> yeah, as a, I grew yeah. up a mainline Presbyterian, mm-hmm. right? That that there will be moments in your life l- like that. Will they be, as Ezra said, n- normative? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll probably be special, special moments. Right. Some days you'll just go to church and they won't feel it, but the Spirit's active and He's using His Word to draw you and grow you in, in your life. Mm-hmm. And your affections might not be as touched one Sunday as they were the next Sunday, but that doesn't mean the sermon stunk or the songs weren't good or they didn't do whatever. It spirit was in in that too. Right. So, so my thing is, embrace all of that. Just, just so I have no. Somebody goes to a church and they're like, "Oh, I was slain in the spirit," and like what they sometimes say to shock me. I'm like, "Oh, that's great." Mm-hmm. Well, what? What do you think about that? Because they expect me to be this massive non-charismatic guy. I'm like, well, no, I actually believe the Holy Spirit is big enough to both do that and to basically let that on special occasions. But most normally, you're going to go to church and that's not going to happen. Right. And you shouldn't try to work yourself into some sort of frenzy to try to see if you can reproduce it, okay? Because that's, that's kind of silly. Right. Last word on it, Ezra. Dude, I'm so much on the no, fence. I think, <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I don't think you're on the fence. I, I would, I would agree with you in saying the spirit of God obviously can overwhelm anybody. Like I'm just thinking about, for example, if 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 you were here Saturday night service, I was. So I was preaching, and I didn't know you were there, and so. I was giving this illustration about how the Spirit of God is at work in people's lives. And I said, uh, obviously, when I preach, I love making fun of Jeff. And so I said, like, think about Jeff, a very shy, introvert guy in a large room. He'd be in the corner and then he'd leave right away. But then when you see Jeff in the pulpit and the Jeff I know and the Jeff in the pulpit, it's almost like they're two different people. Yes, the same guy. And so when you see Jeff in the pulpit, my goodness, like the boldness and the power of God upon him as he's preaching is remarkable. And a lot of people are known for you because they really appreciate Jeff's ministry. So on Saturday, I had planned to say this illustration. I'm 
I'm standing the pulpit at Northview, and it dawned on me the power of the Spirit of God upon Jeff as I'm looking at the congregation and I'm thinking, right, I was so overwhelmed, I began to cry and I'm mm. preaching. And I've never had an experience like that in a very, very, very long time. Mm. And right there, I think the Spirit of God affirmed to me personally that he is the one who empowers mm. people to do ministry. Yeah. So, and that'll happen. And it's that'll usually, happen. It's usually, mm. it's usually massively right. unexpected. Mm. Unexpected. I've, I've told people before, sorry, we're running out of time, but listen, I told people before that one of the greatest moments of my life, okay, was actually at a urinal when I was in Bible, in the Bible school. too much school information? In, 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 <laughs> listen, listen to the story. Listen I'm to the story. standing there, and I just come out of a, a class. It was three months at a capernary school, and I came out of a class where the guy was talking about the grace of God, and I was standing at this urinal, and I just... I don't know what happened, but I got so overwhelmed with the idea that God loves me that I just broke down in tears hmm. at this year. And all the guys who are standing next to me are like freaking out a little bit, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? <laughs> He's having a mental but breakdown. But I couldn't, I honestly, I, I stood there and I had to collect myself. Just, I couldn't, I couldn't really move for a minute. I just was, was, Tears were dripping down my face. And I got to tell you, I didn't plan that ever. I didn't plan it at all. And I didn't plan to listen to this. And here, <laughs> and here's what else. Here's I'm like, what, welcome to a podcast with here's men. Here's what else. Right. Here's what else. I would never, ever tell you that what you should do then is you should go to a Capernay school and stand at that urinal until it happens. Yeah. So I don't want to principalize no. that experience. No. Ezra doesn't want to principalize no. his no. experience. What he wants to say is that the Spirit of God is active and he touches the affections and it's usually unexpected in grand, great moments. And it is the Spirit mm-hmm. who's doing that work. Yeah. But it's also the Spirit who day after day after day is quietly using his word to reinforce to you the truth and teaching you how to live in Canada. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. In the United States. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to us. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.